0: hello coders welcome to episode 164 of the how to code well podcast today i want to talk about what has surprised me what i've learned in the kubernetes world over the last three or four months as i've been working on the deployment uh, stage of how to code well and before we get to that though let's talk about some of the change logs so the stuff that i've been working on since the last time we did the podcast and well, we will start with some of the Kubernetes work. The cron jobs that I mentioned, the experiments that I've I've been running, they're actually running quite well, and they've been running for the past week. Um, they have essentially been small little containers that that run every on a schedule that do certain things on the platform. I won't talk about what they do, but it, it's uh, they're working quite well. I had all sorts of problems around the scheduling of things, the containers weren't really working very well to begin with, and the way in which the Kubernetes language in the, the YAML was just a, a little alien to me when I did that. But now I'm getting used to, used to that. There's two types of jobs. There is a cron job with Kubernetes, which is a scheduled job, it runs on a schedule. And then you, you say, you know, this is the this is the image that I want to run. This is the command that I want to run against that image against that container at this specific time. And then there is the one-off job that you can run, which is just instead of cron job as the kind, it is just job. Um, so, yeah, those, those, they're, they're working, they're working quite well. Um, I'm actually using a, a lightweight Alpine image to do all of those things, which um, has surprised me a little bit because they're, once you take away the scaffolding of your application and actually use the the bare minimum of what you need to do to actually get things to work it actually becomes simpler because the overheads are aren't there okay so i've also fixed a couple of issues around the object storage that we were playing with on tuesday tuesday stream at 6 p.m this was on youtube um so youtube.com forward slash how to code well and uh the the reason why i had these issues was because when i was developing this the object storage the so this this is uploading images so course images and also uploading the code the actual project code files to the platform and the way i had done it previously was setting it very sort of strict hard coded to the development storage and i wanted to give a little bit more flexibility as to not only the bucket the region but also the access control level of uh you know per request so i i had i've done all those now that was a bit of a php work we did that on tuesday and i finished it off tuesday evening um very late but uh yeah that's going well and then on sunday we started working on the uh, the upgrade of well, i want to do some upgrades right so we started working on the upgrades of the npm packages and uh, my end goal here is to get things to a point where I can I can move them to uh, a TypeScript. But before I get to that point, there is a couple of phases that I need to work through. One is to actually get npm to the LTS. LTS is sixteen point is it sixteen point fifteen point one? Someone will someone will uh, correct me in the comments. I'm sure. And uh, it's not there yet, so it's only on 16. So there's there's a, a couple of uh, minor versions to bump up to. Before we get into that, though, I need to upgrade the packages that are currently I'm in, I'm currently using. So there's a whole bunch of um, JavaScript pack- packages that HowToCodeWell.net uses, and a lot of them are out of date. One of which is Tiny MCE. I bumped that up to the latest version of uh, version six, six point one point zero, I believe and there was a, a bunch of issues that I had to work through um, regarding the end-to-end tests because I don't know if anything's changed or if, if if it's a timing thing, but the end-to-end tests stopped picking up the content editor for TinyMCE and uh, just, just refused to work. So I had a lot of failing tests to fix and i actually downloaded a package that uh, cypress has or a, a plugin developer created for cypress and tinymce which seems to have fixed that issue which is good i'm also using this as a period of time to look at the packages that are currently in play and then remove those that i feel that we don't need um, one of which is jest so uh, you know It's a bit embarrassing to say that I don't have any unit tests for JavaScript, although we don't really have a lot of JavaScript on the front end. It's mostly on the back end in the CMS, which isn't that bad. Um, And so I think Jest was a package that I just installed just because, and um, I don't need it, so I've removed it. It's always good to try and reduce your dependencies. Uh, The next stage of this is to look at the difference between post- css and things like less and because i've got both of them installed and see if there is a way that i can just use one i'm probably leaning against post css at this stage um, i am using things like tiny uh, uh not i am using tiny mc tailwind so yeah that i'm playing with that and sort of doing a bit of discovery work um in the evenings as to what i can i can uh, not include, right? Whether we go for post CSS or less, what are the advantages, disadvantages? Um, should we just keep to both of them? Because both packages need to be upgraded. So I'm using this as a period of time to go, hang on a minute, can we do without one? Now, moving back a little bit to the Kubernetes stuff, the next stage of the deployments uh, stages that I'm, I'm I'm gonna be looking into, and I'll be doing this off stream, is learning the ingress stuff. So learning how to, basically map a, a, a kubernetes cluster to a domain to an endpoint um i this is still a little above my head and i i've actually i've actually kind of got a very complicated in my opinion it's quite quite a complicated requirement we have the podcast site which is howtocodewell.fm and we have the main site which is howtocodewell.net ideally i want both of those to run off of the same cluster uh, so that means somehow I need to have two top-level domains or t- two domains that um, feed into this cluster from a public's perspective, and then the cluster knows exactly where to route the requests. So this is sort of a um, this is the next stage for, of of what I'm doing in terms of the DevOpsy kind of world. So I don't know how long that's going to take. Probably a good few evenings to get wrap my head around all that stuff. I have a little bit of news. Um, so we spoke the other week regarding the dev one HP laptop and how I was interested in, in that, unfortunately it's only available in the U S and I made some, some sort of, I gave my opinion, my initial opinion of it. It's actually, the more I see reviews, the more I actually see, I've seen video reviews. Now there's people who actually have the videos up. And are comparing showing the models and stuff. It looks really good. It looks super, super nice. And you can charge through USB-C, and there is um, you can you can use a single USB Type-C for display, which is very attractive. Unfortunately, though, it's only available in, in the US. But there is something that is has been teased recently, and that is from Star Labs. So Star Labs has teased out the Starfighter which is apparently going to have a 4K display, which is awesome. It's going to be a 16 pi- sixteen by 9 uh, IPS display. And uh, let's see if we can get some more statistics. They're, they haven't really mentioned a lot, to be fair. They've mentioned that um, it can have up to 64 gigs of RAM, up to 2 terabytes of storage. Uh, and what else? Between 8 to 14 hours of battery life. So that sounds very interesting i'll be very intrigued to know how heavy this thing is with the 4k display Um, my reason behind that is because i actually took my laptop um, i went walking somewhere and i I, I took my macbook pro my uh, m1 um, all singing all dancing uh, macbook pro um, and it was so heavy my back was starting to ache really bad. And we were, I was walking for about half an hour with it in the bag. So if I could have something that is slightly lighter, but, uh, as powerful, it, I mean, I know that this star labs probably isn't going to be as powerful as this, as this machine, but still, if I could get away with having something that is a little bit more portable then then that would be awesome. And, uh, I'm also interested in the display. Like I want to get something that is sort of retina, or at least as good as, or close to um, my MacBook Pro. So the next laptop, if it was to ever be a Linux, then I would, those are the considerations that I would need. So IO display, um, battery life is usually around eight hours, which is fine. I'm not, you know, 14 hours of use is probably, you know, too much in my opinion. I don't really care if that goes 14 or 16 or 20, it doesn't matter. normally the bigger the battery the heavier it is so when we get to those kind of numbers um that you know the 8 to 14 you've got to take into account the 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 weight that you're going to be carrying around so anyway let's talk about um the kubernetes stuff right because this is this is uh this is a learning journey that i've been put i put myself on over the past say three or four months and there are some things that i've started to learn some things that have surprised me through this journey. One of which is that, um, well, I've got six things here. So one of which is that not all managed services are the same, right? So, so I've played with Kubernetes on both my, uh, self hosted stuff, as well as managed services, managed services. I've used, uh, the AWS stuff I've used Linode, I've used DigitalOcean, and not all managed services are the same, especially when it comes to, uh, say, the level of configuration that you can give on the master nodes, the amount of security that you can apply, the way in which the nodes themselves get updated, depend, you know, some places give you more access. um, And that access that they give you means that there's more responsibility. So if you were to go for Kubernetes and you wanted to go for a managed service, just know that not all managed services are the same. They don't give you the same level of management. And also some of these services that I've played with are still in this sort of the, um, the rollout period. It's kind of, um, they, they they don't say it's beta, but it kind of feels a bit beta. The features are a little, a little lacking in some of these things. Um, and in some services, they are actually streets ahead of the other services. But at the end of the day, it's still Kubernetes. Okay. So the the other one is that um, the learning curve is ginormous. The learning curve of Kubernetes is it's just it's just huge. <laughs> It's just, it's just incredibly large, and it, if you're not using it every day, it's very easy. Or I found it very easy to just sort of, sort of have to, you forget, you just forget things, and you just have to re, re, re remind yourself as to why you labelled something as this, or why you've called the service that particular thing, or what is a PVC, or what is this particular service doing. I found that. Uh, documentation is uh, really important your own documentation I mean as in to document why you've done it in that way and also what was the resource that led you into that direction so um, you know you end up essentially with a bunch of YAML files and if you were just to look at all those YAML files you would need to know the structure. You would need to know what is required, you, what, what you know, what is a dependency of what the other thing is. And without having any kind of documentation, that would be very difficult to just read the YAML files and discover your way around it. I'm sure that a lot of people can do it better than I, um, but it's kind of like a very weird map of your infrastructure. Um, another one is that if you can learn Terraform um, whilst you're doing it, then that's really good because Terraform um, goes hand in hand with some of the managed services. So some of the managed services, Linode, digital ocean, they, they and, and AWS, they have their own Terraform counterparts resources for their clusters. So you can, you can um, create something that is very, um, can be torn up and torn down very easily. Right? So you're not just left with things running and you, you just can't remember that you've you've done that apply command, and you've just left things running in the cloud. So if you can do everything in a sort of a a single set of commands that run a bunch of bunch of. Um, Kubernetes build a bunch of Kubernetes resources through Terraform and then apply those. Then, then that is good. I always try and re- recommend people to try and boil everything down to a very small set of commands. So, for example, a deploy.sh or a you know a build.sh that kind of stuff that do these things, and then you can document those with comments, those commands, and it becomes self-documenting. That's the thing. That's the thing. Kubernetes, I found at this stage at least isn't self documenting uh, even though it's yaml it's it, to me i'm still it's it's still very alien so i read the the yaml files and i'm i'm still none the wiser i need some documentation alongside to actually tell me what this thing actually does and why it's labeled in that kind of manner and what happens when i run this command so yeah uh, i i'm not as f- so what i'm saying is i'm not as f- uh, fluent in Kubernetes as I am in say Docker. Okay, so the the other one is that um, smaller is better, right? So if you're starting Kubernetes, it's always best to start it with a very small application that I, 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 I think. Whereas howtocodewell.net is quite a large kind of application in the sense that, well, that's probably not the right term. The application howtocodewell.net isn't actually that large. However, it is a monolith, right? So you've got the CMS, you've got the front end, and you've got the database. All as sort of one kind of thing. Um, And then you've got your cron jobs, and then you've got your other things that happen, um, other services that kind of run in the single spot. Yes, they're broken up by uh, containers. So you've got a container in development mode, at least for the database. And you've got a container for the actual web Stuff to the web server, uh, and then you've got a container for the the queues and all of that jazz. But in terms of breaking up the code into into different responsibilities, that really isn't there. So there isn't like it's not like um, an API driven uh, headless CMS kind of thing, right? Whereas if it was, it would lean very heavily towards microservices, and microservices is, in my opinion, probably one of the best. Sort of Kubernetes is kind of like the the thing that microservices need. I, d- I don't think I would ever be able to use any kind of microservices without having this kind of orchestration system. It'd be very difficult to do that. Uh, however, saying this, how to code well, not net, isn't in microservices. So I'm probably using like um, a sledgehammer to crack a nut And I probably, there's probably people out there going, you don't need Kubernetes for what you're trying to achieve, which is fine. But I have, my plan is to break things up in the future. So, you know, I'm kind of seeing Kubernetes as a kind of a, the end goal eventually. Um, But if you, if you can start smaller, it's probably easier because then you would just snap things on together rather than having this monolithic application, just running in a container. One of the problems that I've got at the minute that I'm, I'm, I need to try and solve is that um, going back to the cron jobs, there is a cron that I haven't yet wired up together. And this is a cron that r- I want to run a PHP console command. The problem with that is that the console command is embedded in the code base which has both the front end and the, and the back end in it. And all I want to do is just run this one command. I don't want to spin up a whole container that has the whole website in. I want to uh, ideally have a very lightweight container that just does that one single command. And that'll be my cron job. But in order to do that, I would need to break things into smaller little sections of code and have their own defined boundaries. And probably do um, API calls between the different containers. I see what I mean by it kind of leans itself more towards microservices than it does to what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's probably a lot of people out there going, you don't need Kubernetes for what you're trying to achieve. Um, and I get that. I totally get that. And I think that, that going into this without that blind... Um, that, that blind sort of knowledge that, uh, that that what I'm doing is probably not the best way to actually achieve this, it's not the quickest way to achieve this, um, is actually a good thing, I think, because then I know what it is that um, this, this could be used better for. So um, I'm, I've jumped around these points, but point number three was that you don't need it all the time. Kubernetes is not your silver bullet. It's not a solution to every single problem um, at all. And Kubernetes does make it easier, I guess, for you to break things up into smaller things. It makes it a little bit more obvious as to why you want to break things up into smaller little micro containers. Um, Transparency and um, monitoring are super, super important. Many times I've had things running on pods that i i just don't even know where the pods you know i don't even know what container this th- pod is running on <laughs> and it's like you know which one do i log into to get the tail the logs and all of this stuff so a pe- a piece of work i haven't done this yet but a piece of work is to um have a monitoring system that allows me to actually monitor the logs across the board and and I also have things channeling into those logs that are say that from the cron jobs and having some way of actually seeing at any one point in time, the health of of the Kubernetes cluster and, and the, the pods and the containers. There's been a couple of times where things have got stuck and I, I haven't really understood why. And so I've needed to just basically kill the whole thing and restart it. I obviously can't do that when it's in production. So I need to be I need to learn how to, where to look. It's kind of very, I'm still very green and very vanilla with all of this stuff. So I, am I I, there were, there was a period the other week where I was basically jumping in to every single pod, having a look at every single container just to seeing, you know, and then refreshing the page just to see where I am, (laughs) like which, 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 uh, which container is actually producing the log. (laughs) So yeah. Part of this is for me to also use a third-party um, monitoring tool, such as Sentry. Um, there are other others uh, that I could use as well. I also want to have my own Grafana um, uh, running off of this as well. Um, so there's, the, I, I have things in mind for me to to gain this level of transparency. Uh, and monitoring that i think is super super important and i think the more i put this off the more in de- the more I'll, i will need it right so i i think i think once i get the the current the the ingress stuff that i'm dealing with or looking into uh, next once i get that done i'm going to start looking into uh, monitoring solutions so that was it that was actually six points so smaller is better uh it leads to uh microservices rather than monolithic applications and it's easier to create kubernetes clusters around microservices than monoliths because you end up with a monolith trying to break everything out um which is a good thing in some cases um you don't always need it that's point number three you don't always need it because sometimes monoliths are actually okay you know uh it's not always the silver bullet as I mentioned, the learning curve of Kubernetes is ginormous, in my opinion, um, because you can't just read the YAML and understand it very well. It's not like reading, say, an OpenAI API um, uh, YAML file. I can read that and understand the requests and the responses and, and the examples and all of that stuff. And, and that makes sense to me. But this isn't. <laughs> this isn't making much... Well, it's starting to, but it's not, it's not there yet. It's a very slow burn. Um, monitoring and transparency. This is point number five. This is super, super important and it's best to get this done early. I need to do this and also that, uh, not all managed services such as DigitalOcean, Linode, AWS, um, are not the same and a point on that managed services. If you ever try and do, uh, Kubernetes on your own, so self-hosted Kubernetes. I did try this. It's mad. Like this, the, you think the learning curve is huge now. Phew, when you start dealing with self-hosted stuff, and you have to deal with user control and all of this stuff that Kubernetes has under the hood—stuff that you won't even be a- appreciate if it's a managed service—there is so much more to Kubernetes um, it, when you're dealing it, dealing with it yourself, huh? So, yeah, it, that, that's just—it's just an incredible amount. Off of the back of this, though, I have started listening to different podcasts that um, are more DevOps focused. So typically I would l- l- listen to things like Coda Radio and uh, other other programming related, um, uh, Syntax FM and that kind of stuff, um, podcasts. But I, recently I've started leaning towards things like DevOps Paradox, um, self-hosted and the, 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 the Linux Action Show, Unfiltered and all that jazz. Um, so what I'll do is I'll leave those show those links in the in the show notes i'll also leave a link to uh oh my um omg OMGUbuntu.co.uk uh, regarding the starfighter announcement um and also before i go there was a, this this uh little blog post i read earlier which i thought was quite fun and that is why is the internet uh, why isn't the internet more fun and weird so it's a, a look back on myspace and that is jarardsumner.com forward slash code blog I'll leave a a link in the show notes below so that is my um, kubernetes journey so far and I'll probably do another one say in another three months maybe six months time uh, and look back at this and and see if if any of this is getting easier or maybe if there's anything I've mentioned that uh, I need to uh, rehash or change my assumptions may have been different Um, my learning would have hopefully matured um, and hopefully we'll be in a better place, uh, in terms of, although the, the build of the, the deployment stage is going quite well, you know, it's just, it's just, it's one of those things. I don't have a lot of time playing with it, but, uh, anyway, happy coding, everyone. I hope everybody has a, a great week ahead and a good weekend, and I will see you again soon. Thanks for coding. Uh, thanks for coding. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. <laughs> happy coding. Happy coding is what I meant. See you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>